Welcome to the Rev Up Dental Podcast. I'm Beth, your host, and today's episode is a must for anyone dealing with a ton of cancellations in their office. We've all been there. The frustration of patients cancelling appointments, leaving holes in the schedule, wasted chair time, and the never-ending challenge of following up with those no-shows. In this episode, we're diving deep into the world of appointment cancellations. Um, Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today as we discuss one of the most frustrating things about working in a dental office, patient cancellations and no-shows. My name is Beth. I am the manager of RevUp's call quality team and call answering team. Some of you may have attended my last webinar where we discussed optimizing phone conversations. If you didn't, go check it out on YouTube. Um, At the end of that webinar, I asked you what you wanted to hear about next. And an overwhelming number of you asked to discuss patient cancellations. So we started preparing. Um, I wanted to share some stats with you. Here at RevUp, we listen to hundreds of thousands of calls every month. Every call is categorized and analyzed for trends. So here's an interesting one to kick us off. In November, from nearly 15,000 calls, a whopping 20% of these calls were cancellations. And of those 20%, only 50% were rebooked. So, with that in mind, I am very excited to introduce our guest speakers, Dr. Sarah Blair and Mark Kedahagen from Indie Practices to discuss this challenge with me. Um, Dr. Blair transformed her small office into a million-dollar practice in just a few years and now coaches alongside co-founder Mark, who has a master's in educational leadership and has coached dozens of leaders over the years. We don't often get dentists who are coaches, and I find it extremely valuable to listen to someone who isn't just knowledgeable on the topic, but has owned their own practice and has had to personally juggle being a dentist and a business owner at the same time. So I am very excited to hear from these experts and learn how to combat this cancellation issue. Before we get started, I do want to hear from you. Um, oh, I should say before we get started, a little bit of a um, little bit of technical, you know, making sure everyone's aware uh, what's going to happen during this webinar. So um, we do encourage all participants to ask questions through the chat box. I will be keeping an eye on this and will do my best to get your questions answered. This webinar is being recorded and will be posted up to our YouTube page in a few days. And throughout the webinar, we will be asking for your input. So we're about to get into that. So keep an eye out for polls. It is so great for us to get your opinion throughout the webinar. Okay, so before we get into our first topic, like I said, we are going to be asking you all a question. Um, So I would like to hear from you. Uh, first thing, what do you believe could have the best impact on reducing appointment cancellations? So I'm just going to launch this poll. Okay, and just confirming, can everyone see that there is a... Yes, okay, wonderful. So just select one of these. What do you believe could have the biggest impact on reducing appointment cancellations? confirming appointments more effectively, enforcing stricter cancellation penalties, building connection with patients on the phone, or more automated reminders. And I can see we've got a bunch of people answering. Fantastic. So we'll give a few more seconds for that. Thank you, everyone. Looks like we've got a lot of engagement from everyone. Excellent to see. Loving this. We've got a bit of a tie building there. Fantastic. So a Look at those seconds. votes roll in. Woo! <laughs> yes. Okay, I think we are there. So can you see the results already or do I need to share them? Oops, now I need to. So confirming appointments more effectively and building connection with patients on the phone are an even tie coming up first. 
enforcing stricter cancellation penalties, often a favourite with some dentists. Um, that's coming in second. And more automated reminders, interestingly, came up last. I, that's actually surprising to me. I am very interested to hear what you have to say, Dr. Blair and Mark. So please share with us, what is the root cause of cancellations? Sure. Uh, can you hear me okay, Beth? All right, excellent. Great. Okay, perfect. All right, such an excellent question. And I find that so many owners and practices respond to this very reactively. And that's with strict, very harsh cancellation penalties, <clears throat> punitive measures. Um, but so much more can be done if we're proactive. And this starts way back at really the very first phone call that the patient makes to a dental practice building the connection on the phone, immediately starting to build value for both the practice and uh, all of the providers in the practice from really the very first phone call, honestly, way back even to the marketing that happens before the first phone call. So a much more proactive approach is what I have found worked really well in my practice and for my clients' practices. Yeah, Sarah, thanks for that. And, and Beth, thank you for the introduction. We're excited to be here and we've seen a few of the rev up webinars and have participated in them and it's pretty exciting to be here on the other side so thanks for the invitation uh, to build on on what what sarah just said i think a lot of the times when calls come in there's some sort of information that is that, that is being sought they're trying to find out information about the upcoming appointment or finding something out about your practice and what callers often don't realize that they want is a connection with another human being which is so often missing in our technological world where we send texts and don't talk to people and aren't face-to-face. -face. And we really believe that establishing connection with, with potential clients is one of the most impactful things that, that we can do to proactively reduce cancellations. Yeah, that's really interesting you say that because I know I personally, I love my computer, I love my phone, and I love to hide behind a text message. And there has been many times my own team, they, they go crazy because I'm like, didn't you get my text message? And they're like, maybe, like three weeks ago, I don't know. <laughs> and um, And then we get to a point where... I don't know your face. We, we, we're a remote company, so we're always, you know, remote. And it's similar with a dentist. You don't actually meet anybody until you walk in the door. And, mm -hmm. and so how do you build that connection with somebody who has never met you, doesn't know who you are, and you have a, you have a really short period of time? So I'm going to just poke a little bit more into that. I mean, you say a proactive approach, being friendly on the phone. I mean, do you have any tips or anything you could say to add to that where somebody could actually say, okay, I'm going to start doing this today? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I think, like we said uh, earlier, it could start as far back as the marketing that's happening for this practice or the social media presence. It's so easy to cancel on a nameless, faceless organization that you perceive as impersonal. But once you really personalize it and you realize that there are real people behind this dental practice and behind this phone call, um, it really makes it much harder for people to um, dismiss things or to not take it uh, as seriously because um, they see that they're impacting real people by canceling. So once that caller, even if it's just a quick phone call, they've already created a connection with you, they're so much less likely to cancel on an appointment. And especially if you've taken the opportunity as the person taking the call to build value and really talk up the practice and the team and the skill of the doctor, um, that has a huge impact. Yeah, absolutely. So in this world of um, recall max and automated messaging and things like that, if I'm gonna um, surmise here, what you're saying is pick up the phone talk to them um, in in the reminders when it comes to reminding somebody have them hear a human try your best to get to know them a little bit you know and and uh, get the we say this in the optimizing phone conversations you know you want to build rapport with the patient anything anything that you can learn about them that you can say like hey um i don't know maybe you've noted something that they were you're preparing for a big event hey, how's it going? I hope you're getting ready for the big event. Just checking to make sure you're coming along to your dentist 
appointment, something along those lines, is that that's what we're saying is bring in that personal touch. Be a human. Absolutely. Exactly. So we want to make that connection between us, we as a dental team, we are humans here, and then connecting with the human side of that person. They're not just a set of teeth. They're a real person with a real life and interests and hobbies and families. <laughs> and so trying to find out a little bit more than just which tooth hurts, you know, making that connection on the phone or in person. Obviously, it's generally easier once they've actually stepped foot into your office and they're standing right in front of you. But we have to have the skills to build that connection even on the phone because that may be our only opportunity to do so. I love that more than just a set of teeth. Um, I have definitely felt like that in a dental office. I <laughs> personally, here's a little personal information about myself. I jump from dentist to dentist. First thing, I travel a lot. So I'm often going to different places. So I've seen it all. I have been into dental practices where they look up and they say, hi, Beth. And I'm like, who are you? How do you know it's me? Oh my gosh, this is amazing. They know who I am. I'm special. Um, and then I've been at practices where they'll point at the chair and just go there and, and wait. And then, you know, if someone comes out and says, um, Elizabeth, that's my real name, Elizabeth. And I'm like, oh my gosh, nobody calls me Elizabeth. Like, whoa, okay. <laughs> so really interesting. And I'll tell you, like, I'm sure you can probably guess which ones I go back to and which ones I don't and which ones I move on from. So human touch, huge. Um, definitely yeah. when you talk and yeah, so when we talk about cancellations, I don't want to let anybody down. If I know that I was talking to somebody, I definitely, at the very least, I think what we're saying is they'll call to cancel. They won't just not show up because that's the biggest thing is when someone calls early and they cancels, you can deal with that. You can fill that spot. Quite often we have wait lists going where people are like, oh, please, please call me if something mm -hmm. comes up. But those no-shows, the ones that just don't show up. I mean, Mark, would you agree that mm -hmm. these people do not feel like they owe you anything? They don't care. Like, I mean, I don't know if that don't care is, is a bit harsh, but what do you think about that, Mark? <laughs> Elizabeth, I totally agree. I would make the comparison to uh, if you have dinner reservations at a large chain restaurant with huge numbers of tables, you will not think twice about just canceling that dinner reservation because they have a million tables and you don't really know the people who run the restaurant anyway. Conversely, if you had a dinner reservation at a five table restaurant that a friend of your family runs, you very likely would not be canceling that dinner reservation even if you wanted to because you feel that you have a responsibility to that person, you understand the impact of canceling that dinner reservation would have on that small restaurant and you have a connection with that owner. And so as practice owners, we want to be much more like the person managing a small, intimate, person-to-person -person restaurant than a gigantic, impersonal chain. Those steps in advance will reduce the cancellations. Okay. Fantastic. Um, one thing I want to ask just before we move on to the next topic it's a little bit tricky for dental practices to have to pick up the phone for every single person that they are booked for. And one of the things I found doing this myself, um, nine times out of 10, you don't get hold of a person. You hit, hit a voicemail. Mm -hmm. So would you like, what, what do you think about um, a blend? Like if you, you can't, you can still have these automated reminders and I myself, personally prefer automated reminders because then, oh yeah, that's right. I put it in my diary or, um, you know, it goes into my calendar, that kind of stuff. And I, I appreciate an automated reminder, whereas a lot of the time I'm just too busy to mm -hmm. answer the phone. So, um, would you say that the safest strategy to proactively avoid these is to blend, get that personal approach, get that in there, but also have automated reminders as well? Yes. I think a blend is perfect and I think it really needs to be tailored toward the patient and perhaps, you know, mm. let's say you have a, a younger patient who, a young professional who just moved to town, um, you know, that person is probably going to be more accessible via automated reminders and text messaging. But if you have, um, you know, a, a more mature patient who is, you know, very well connected in the town and, and has a lot of friends and family, you may want to really make that interaction more personalized and they're going to appreciate you picking up the phone or 
sending the handwritten postcard or whatever you have to do to send that type of messaging to that type of patient, I think it needs to be tailored a little bit to that. And, and you may say, well, gosh, we just don't have time to do all that. Well, think how time consuming it is to have to try to fill an open appointment time when someone drops out of your schedule at the yeah. last minute or the loss of that revenue is, is far more costly than the few moments it would take to pick up the phone call for that older patient who's really going to respond to that well. That's very powerful message. Amat, did you have anything to add there? No, I totally agree. I, I think putting an effort on the front end seems like a, you're burning resources, but the cancellations burn far more resources than anything you're going to put in on the front end. I, I would All the efforts that you can make, especially the ones that we're going to talk about in just a bit, are, are well worth the time and effort that it takes to be a little bit more busy and take a couple extra proactive steps, even though it seems like one one more thing to do. Mm -hmm. And some of very, those proactive steps. Oh, sorry, pardon me. Sorry. No, continue. <laughs> I was just going to say some of those proactive steps are kind of a one-time set it and forget it type of thing. So for example, not using stock photography in your marketing, using actual photographs of the mm. team, the doctors, Video is very powerful to create that connection from the very first interaction that the patient has with the practice. And those are things once you do it, it's there, it's done. I mean, of course, you always want to be adding fresh content, but this is something that once you set that up, it's not as much effort to keep that going. So I think there's a lot of proactive things, you know, training on proper, you know, the language that we use. That's a proactive thing that once we do it and we maintain it, it's not a daily effort. Very, very powerful messaging there. And this whole proactive thing, I think like you really touched on it where you said compare it to a little bit of proactivity here versus having to fill up that slot later. Um, and a lot of people will say, I don't have time. I don't have time to do all of this. Um, but yeah, will you have time when this person cancels and you're trying to fill that spot later? So very, very exactly. good messaging there. We, we're talking a lot about proactivity. So when we're talking about proactivity, we definitely touched on this in my last webinar, so I like this topic. Um, you know, when it comes to answering the phone, making the patient booking initially. So before we move on to my next question to you, Dr. Claire and Mark, I would like to hear from our audience once again. I would like to hear how does your team and your practice answer the phone? So I'm just publishing the poll now. Take a few seconds. Does your team handle each phone call on an individual base as they see fit? Um, does the team follow a set of protocols for phone answering? Um, has your team been trained and are they skilled on these protocols? Um, are your calls monitored by the practice owner? Do you use an intake sheet? Is it, yeah, so take a few seconds. There we go, coming on in, fantastic. Oh, a bit of an even spread this time, okay. Oh, we've got a, we've got a leader coming in. Excellent, thank you so much. Um, so hopefully, again, I'm not sure if we can see it. I, I haven't, haven't got that confirmation yet, but um, we have a clear winner. So the team follows a set of protocol for phone answering. Um, coming in second, every team member has been trained and skilled and, uh, and is skilled on set phone protocols, calls and monitored by the practice owner, and intake sheet is used on every call. I'm glad to see that one up there a little bit because that's what RevUp does. We monitor these phone calls, so <laughs> fantastic. Um, and team handles each phone call on an individual basis as they see fit coming in last. So excellent. Thank you so much for sharing that. Really appreciate your thoughts there. Um, to Dr. Blair and Mark, um, when booking an appointment, an appointment, that initial appointment, what are the most critical things to accomplish? I'd, I'd love to jump in here, Beth, because there's, there's an important point here that I think gets missed. My background, as you mentioned at the beginning, is in educational policy and in leadership coaching. And so everything that we are going to talk about in this webinar, all of it's great. It's good. Like we started with establish a, a connection with the patient that will reduce cancellations. Yes, 
That's true. All of you who are watching, if you understand that and you believe that, that's terrific. But none of the things that we're going to talk about are really going to make that much of a difference if as the practice leader, we're not actually following up with our team and holding them accountable and taking the leadership steps necessary to change human behavior. And we see time and time again, practice owners can understand all of these things and understand models for reducing cancellations. But in the, in the, the, in the poll, one of them said, calls are monitored by practice owner. And, that, and not a lot of people picked that one. And practice owners yeah. might say, I'm too busy to do that. I don't have time to do that. The, the person running the practice, the leader, must, must, must be observing their team do their work, be meeting with their team regularly, and be giving them feedback. And these are leadership skills that not just dentists, leaders in all types of careers say they don't have time to do. I don't have time to do that because I'm doing all these other things, things that are very important. And therefore, their team does not change their behavior. So we can sit as practice owners, as dentists, and say, all right, we understand how to reduce cancellations. But if we're not intentionally taking time to observe what our team is doing, to listen to them answering the phone repeatedly over and over again, and be providing them feedback and coaching, then the behavior of our team in reducing those cancellations won't actually change. So true. So, I mean, I know like you, Beth, I've listened to thousands of phone calls and so often I hear the team member, you know, pick up the phone, the, the caller says, I have to cancel. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. And then, <laughs> you know, and I present this to the practice owner and say, Hey, here's this recording. It's on the state. Listen to it. And they're shocked, shocked. They have no idea what's going on behind the scenes on the phone because they're too busy doing other things to pay attention to this, this really critical thing that's happening. And that's, that's an element of leadership that we have to be observing and we have to be giving feedback. Absolutely. Yeah. I, um, we, we definitely see a lot of that in, in the call answering team and the, sorry, the call quality team and call answering team, the call answering team with my team. Um, we follow our own, um, recommendations so our team goes through a very rigorous round of training and for a month every single one of those calls is listened to we sit down we don't talk about every single one of them but we talk about a few key ones and we practice we roll we role play we we go through the mm -hmm. call again i'll switch some things up on them and a lot of people the time thing is obviously a big piece to it Again, when we talk about productivity, invest that time in the beginning and a couple of months down the line, they're fantastic. You, you've got everything put in place um, and they get used to doing that exercise and it becomes a game. It's actually quite fun. So highly recommend trying it out with your teams, those of uh, leaders who are out there listening. Um, what, what kind of, like, how would you recommend they go about doing that? Because we talk about we don't have time. Um, what, how, how, if I was to say, okay, go and do it tomorrow, like, would you carve out an hour in your schedule each week? Um, would you tackle one person at a time? Like what, what kind of strategies can you share that someone could walk away with today? Well, first I think it's really important to be blocking time in the schedule to regularly meet with your team. And so that needs to be first team meetings uh, a whole group team meeting, and then also one-on-one -on -one meetings. And Mark, do you want to get into mm -hmm. that a little bit more, what you recommend for that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, depending on the size of your team and your leadership structure, there should be one-on-ones, one-on-one meetings scheduled with every member of your team that are recurring and that are in the, in the calendar. Not just that we meet with them when we have time or when it feels appropriate or when we have something to say. Those should be set meetings that happen. Generally, once every two weeks is is what we recommend. It depends on the leadership bandwidth and the leadership team size and the team size, but at least once a month that each person is meeting with a leader for sure. So they have a regular, regularly scheduled meeting. It, as leaders, you don't have enough time for everything. You, can, you just can't do everything. It's so we could say we don't have time, but it's just a matter of, it, it, are we prioritizing our time to do that? So if someone says, I don't have time, really what that means is I've, I've made a decision to use my time on something else. And so then it's just a question of, is that a worthwhile investment of your time or not? Yeah. Yeah, that's very important to keep in mind. It, there is always time. Time is to keep sticking. 
but what, where are your priorities? And and that investment upfront, um, putting aside that time. I do that with my team. It's just standard practice. You always have to have a schedule time and there will be times where you cancel and that's okay. But if you have it there scheduled in your calendar, you will be able to do it and you will get the benefit of that. And like I said, with my team, it became a fun game. We would say, okay, what's the challenge this week, Beth? And <laughs> we'd talk about a call and we'd, you know, brainstorm different ways it could have gone. Sometimes I'll have them analyze mm-hmm. their own calls and say, change the script, change, decide what, how you would have said this differently and then let's role play it. And mm-hmm. um, it seems when I say role play, I'm like, I instantly have this like flashback of my high school days where you're forced to like stand up <laughs> and do this, you know, role play. And aren't we past this? Mm-hmm. Um, but there are definitely ways you can make it very very fun there's there's a lot of patients mm-hmm. out there with you know special cases that everyone loves to laugh about no, I shouldn't say that but you know what I mean like oh you know the um this person had very specific ass they wanted to bring in their dog or something like that and you just love to bring those those up and, and talk about how you can shift that conversation to make this person a lifetime patient um mm-hmm. so fantastic um definitely uh, yeah, when we're talking about how does your team answer the phone, it's good to hear that a lot of people mm-hmm. are aware of how the team answers the phone. There doesn't seem to be too mm-hmm. many people sitting being going, I have no idea. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, uh, always good to know what's one, going on at the front desk. Yeah. One other thing I just wanted to elaborate on is that it's not just about building value for the practice as a whole, but building value for the specific appointment itself. And so I think it's really mm-hmm. important to when we are giving someone an appointment, so we are, we are allowing them to take up a certain amount of time and bandwidth in our schedule, we have to view that time as really valuable and we have to convey that to the patient. So I think a lot of times we just casually, you know, oh, it's just a cleaning. Let's just go ahead and get you scheduled for that. And then patients don't value it. They don't feel like it's important. They feel like it's very casual and they could just flippantly cancel. So we have to use very value-building language that helps people understand that we are setting aside this very valuable time in our schedule specifically for you and give them the details that they really need to understand that this is not, this is not just to be taken lightly. Yeah. That's very, very important. Um, my, my eyebrows are going up at that point. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I've heard so many conversations where it's like, yep, so we're just going to book you in for a quick cleaning. Um, and it doesn't sound like, okay, cool. But if I have something better to do, maybe I won't. <laughs> um, uh-huh. and versus we have had people who talk on the phone and they have, it sounds like a script, but they also flow it quite nicely where they'll explain what's going to happen when you walk into the practice. Mm-hmm. We're, we're going to, you know, we're going to come in, you'll be able to sit. If you come early, we recommend come early, fill paperwork. Again, you said about the age factor, so making sure people know. Um, and then, you know, I've got the hygienist and the dentist ready for you. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll be coming in. Mm-hmm. We've got two people coming to see you and um, mm-hmm. really making the first, it sounds so professional when you do it that way. It sounds like you mm-hmm. really, really know what you're talking about. And then also Absolutely. gives the patient a little, and you, you said it earlier, um, uh, real, real people, but also real practice. They can get a vision of what the practice is going to be like, what they're going to expect when they walk in the door. Mm-hmm. And then we talk about they're kind of missing out. You, you didn't come. You missed mm-hmm. all this great experience. You know, everyone's afraid of losing something, right? So they can exactly. Yeah, that's really, really powerful. <laughs> I like that. Mm-hmm. That actually takes me to another um, really important factor when somebody does call the cancel. We don't want to make it too easy. So I think our natural human tendency is just to reduce friction and make it feel like everything's okay. All right, cool. Um, So I think that's our natural tendency is to just blow it off and take it lightly. But my two favorite words that we should be expressing on these calls, disappointment and concern. I know that sounds a little harsh and it sounds a little unnatural at first, but it's very powerful. And it doesn't have, you don't have to be a jerk. You can be very kind, but expressing disappointment that the patient is not coming, that's very natural. And then expressing concern. What is the reason? What happened? So those two keywords, remember, just disappointment and concern when somebody is canceling can be really powerful and sometimes can even shift them into keeping the appointment at times. Yeah. 
we have a special button for that. It's called kept same appointment. So when we hear a call where someone has gone, actually, no, I'll just keep it. I'll be coming in. Um, we, we put a special button onto those ones. So they're rare, mm-hmm. but they do happen. And we want them to become less Absolutely. rare over the next year. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Another good one is, is there anything I can do to help you keep this appointment? Is there anything I can do to help you? And so sometimes people will say, oh, gosh, you know, I guess I could call my sitter to come earlier or I'll just tell my boss I'm going to be late to that meeting. Sometimes people think of a way to work around it. So it just takes a simple request sometimes. I'd also like to add, Sarah, to go back to the connection thing. If, if someone does call to cancel, because I know a question was asked about this, to lean back on the connection that was established. Oh, hey, you know, the time we had an hour reserved in Dr. Blair's schedule, meaning you remember Dr. Blair, that that person who's who's a real person who you like, you're now (laughs) blowing up her schedule. And so Mm -hmm. communicating that to the person, it's not just a, we, we, as I'm sure you have, we hear calls where the person accepting the cancellation might say, okay, no big deal. But it, but it is a big deal. And I'm not saying you have to guilt trip the person, but letting them know, oh, wow, man, that, that's really tough. We have an hour reserved in Dr. Blair's schedule for you tomorrow. Is there anything we can do to help you keep that? That's a really, really important time. That's really valuable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, it's funny because when you say that, that instantly makes me nervous. Now, it makes me nervous because it's different. We, for so long in the dental profession, we have gotten so used to patient cancellations that we all have it that there's either two paths you can follow. The, okay, sweet, no problem path, or the cancellation fee, you have to pay the cancellation fee. Neither of those are are actually good. I mean, I I would generally lean towards the, okay, sweet, no problem. Um, But what you're saying here is actually something that is not, something that I've heard of really before, which is actually being, I don't know what the word is, emotional a little bit. Um, oh, you want to cancel? Oh, you know, and, and to, put, to put in that sort of shock factor, this doesn't happen to us very often. I'm not sure what it is, but I will say, and I, I'm sure I, I can I can sense the, the, the listeners there going, oh, I don't know, like, that's different. We haven't done that before. Um, we don't really go mm-hmm. for, you know, oh, our doctors specifically reserved this time for you. That's very unfortunate. Mm-hmm. You can't come in. Um, we've always mm-hmm. gone for one of the two, no problem or cancellation fee. And, and so yeah. I urge people to give that one a go. I think we at mm-hmm. RevUp, we definitely like to push forward and try new and different things, obviously once, you know, proven that they work. Um, and this is one of them. And when it comes to um, just putting a different tweak on how your team and, and making these messages to your patients, this could make a world of difference for you. Uh, we know that the okay, sweet, no problems means that you can get these reschedulings in, but it also gives your patients a sense of, sweet, I can just cancel any time. We also know that mm-hmm. the whole cancellation fee pathway turns people away because they know they can go somewhere mm-hmm. else. There's always somewhere else they can go. Just before we dive back in, I'll just interrupt quickly. Don't forget to check out our episode description for links to our blog, where you'll discover valuable resources to grow your office and improve day-to-day operations. Additionally, I encourage you to explore our YouTube channel where we regularly post educational content to further enhance your knowledge. Now let's get back to the interview. And you may not save so, the appointment necessarily. I mean, that, that might not turn the, the color around, but it will change their future behavior. And when they're making that next appointment, yes. they will consider more thoughtfully whether that's really going to work in their schedule and should they be presented with the urge or um, temptation to cancel again, they're going to remember the way that you reacted. It was a big deal. And you're not going to be, like I said, it's very. this is full of kindness. This is full of genuine concern. I mean, if you're sick, I really want to hear about it. I mean, I'm sorry that you're sick. So it was showing genuine concern. I mean, it, it, I think it actually sounds more caring to inquire more about the reason for the cancellation than to just say, Oh, your card didn't start. Let's, you know, 
great. I'll cancel your appointment. So, you know, totally. you're, you're showing more empathy. Honestly, you're showing that you do care and that you are disappointed. Yeah. You were hoping to see them tomorrow. Yeah, Sarah, if I can yeah. build on that, I'm, I'm so happy you brought up the sick question because someone had asked about it in the chat too. So it, yes, Beth, it's uncomfortable. Embrace that uncomfort. Our goal in this conversation is not to make it as comfortable as possible. That's not our goal. Our goal is to save the appointment if possible. And if that's not possible, change future behaviors so that cancellations are less likely. So consider if your good friend and you had a lunch date and you called them to cancel because you're sick. And when patients call and say that they're sick, let's assume that they're sick. Maybe they're not, maybe they're just saying they're sick, but let's assume that they're sick. If, you're, if your friend calls you and says, hey, I'm sick, I can't do lunch with you tomorrow, you're not gonna say, okay, no problem, let's get, let's get us scheduled for two weeks from now. You're going to say, <laughs> oh, Wow, I'm really sorry. What's happening? Are you like what? Are you? Are you? What are you sick with? Are you okay? And it's all right to respond the same way to a, a patient calling. Oh no! What's going on? How how are you feeling? Tell me about it. Are you? What, what's the deal? Are you all right? And and yeah. that's okay. You should respond in the same way. And yes, maybe we end up canceling, but we should respond more like a friend who we have lunch with is canceling on us than someone we have no idea. And we're just going to quickly not even, it doesn't matter that they're sick. We, we, it, it does matter. And we should, should act and we should be upset. Yeah. I like that. Yes, absolutely. Um, so moving a little bit along, uh, we've talked a lot about proactivity. So we're going to come back to this proactivity attitude. Um, I want to hear from the audience first before we get into the topic. So, there are a lot of tools out there and, and things that will kind of automatically schedule patients in six months down the line, things like that. Um, but I am surprised at how few people either use them or use them properly. So I would like to ask from the audience um, for unscheduled patient follow-up. So now we're talking about existing patients coming back for their check-ins. Um, what do you and your team do about patients who have a future appointment scheduled? So poll is up there. Um, so we either have no formal system exists to follow up with patients who do not schedule. Um, we have team following an established track, uh, sorry, established system to track unscheduled patients and follow up. Um, and we have no formal system exists to follow up with patients who do not schedule. Um, very, very interesting to see what people were saying on this one because, like I said, we've, we've worked in this. One of the services we offer is patient recall. So we will pull a big list and um, go through this list and, and check in. And so many practices we work with have a system, but it's not working or it's not being used as it should. So very interesting to hear these responses. Um, and while the votes are coming in, Oh, yes, there we go. <laughs> I, was just, I was just having a look at your resource. You popped up there, Mark. <laughs> Fantastic. So very good to see this. these answers. Um, so we are looking at our responses here. Teams following an established system is number one. Fantastic. Um, team following up with unscheduled time during downtime. I expected that to be a little bit higher, if we're being honest. Um, the this is the one that I see and I think it comes back to what we were saying earlier about are you sure about what's going on in your practice you know we have these established protocols but a lot of the time we revert to I'm too busy I'm too busy the front desk is hectic there's a lot going on and so definitely <laughs> forgivable if this is what your team is doing because there's just so much to do um Nobody has no formal system, which is fantastic to see. Well done, everybody attending. <laughs> so over to our experts, my question to you. Um, so when we're talking about reminders and messaging, we touched on this a little bit earlier. What are the most effective ways to use automated reminders and messaging to minimize cancellations? Mm -hmm. So first, check the settings. So a lot of the software is going to come pre-programmed to send you know, this email on this date and this text message on this date and this and this and this. So just always check and know what's going out to your patients because it's very surprising to me how often people have no idea even what kind of messaging their patients are receiving, how frequent, 
Um, and sometimes you'll hear from your patients like, gosh, I get so many text messages from you. This is just over the top. So you have to take that feedback and try to figure out what, what would I as a patient <laughs> of this practice want to receive and what would be helpful for me? And I think there's a fine balance between overdoing it to the point where it's obnoxious and making it effective. And like I said, you sometimes have to tailor the messaging to the specific type of patient. So at mm. least know, at least know what you're putting out there. Um, and then you can always change your settings and modify it. And then anytime that you can personalize it, get it away from that really generic messaging, please do so. So something that sounds much more custom, like it's really coming from a friend sending you a text message is going to be way, way more effective than a generic robot, you know, text message that sounds like it came out of a machine. So anything you can do to make it customized. I like to even have um, an iPhone, a dedicated iPhone in the practice that team members can use to send messages that, you know, you could even incorporate photos, whatever your software will allow you to do, try to add personalization. So if you can send a photo of the team to a new patient who's coming for their first appointment, great. Maybe you can't do that through your software, but you can do it through a, a dedicated, you know, smartphone in your office. So whatever you have to do to get the message across in a very personalized, non-mechanized way, that's what I recommend. Yeah, as out of the box as possible is my, is my recommendation here. If you can send pictures, send pictures. I want you sending a picture of the dentist smiling with two thumbs saying, can't wait to see you tomorrow, holding a sign that says, I can't wait to see you. I send, create a GIF of your team waving. Do things that are going to catch people's eye that is not just some boring reminder. You have a dentist appointment in two days. <laughs> Press Type one C. to confirm. That is so boring, and it just encourages people to cancel. Figure out a way. Send a send an audio. Send anything. Something that is much more personal than a plain automated reminder. It just doesn't work. We have so many automated reminders in our world today. We're desensitized to them. We don't pay attention to them, and they don't work all that well. That's a very interesting point, and I and I'm I'm thinking to myself, hmm, I'm guilty of this. Um, so I said earlier, you know, I like these automated reminders. Um, but you said something else, which I think is really valuable. So when you said, what would um, I as a patient want? This comes back in a nice full circle to know your patients. If they're older, they might prefer a phone call. If they're younger, they might like a GIF. So you've got this, it's so important. And we live in a world now where you can personalize your reminders depending on their demographic. You can track that. You can ask them what they want. How would you like to receive your reminders? Um, there are a lot of people out there who would say, I need a phone call. I want a phone call. Um, so very interesting there where, where, you know, we live in a world with so many automated reminders. I think that's really impo important to keep in mind. We get desensitized. Yep done. I am guilty of this in work where I see, oh, there's a message. I'll look at it and then forget to respond and then it's gone. And it's just, I, I didn't have my book in front of me. I didn't have my calendar in front of me, didn't go on the calendar and I forgot. And that's just, yeah, um, really, really important, I think, to shake it up, try something different, make yourself memorable. I'm really mm -hmm. interested to see, uh, you know, that that kind of strategy is something a little bit different. Um, yeah, I mean, so, so out of curiosity, I wanted the GIF idea and the video idea. Do you work with practices who do that? Like, I, this is, I'm, I'm actually surprised, like, <laughs> tell me more about this. <laughs> Case study. Well, in my own practice, we did have a dedicated iPhone that we could send photos and messages that were much more personalized wow. than what the software allowed. And I think it was really effective and it just allowed I think it actually gave the feeling to the team member of texting a friend versus like typing into the software, uh, you know, message of, you know, something very impersonal. And so I think that that really did help. It just created more of a connection. Uh, but I do wish that more clients would embrace, you know, something even a little wacky and fun, I think can be really effective. Yeah. Um, and actually, Beth, can I just go back to one other item as far as proactivity? that we didn't really touch on yeah. yet that I think is really important. So <clears throat> one major reason that I have found that patients cancel is a lack of clarity 
about the expectations for the appointment that's coming up. And very often that's mm. related to finances. It's often related to money. They're not sure how much they're going to owe. And so they assume it will be a lot and they don't know how they're going to pay for it. Um, and maybe they assume the worst, rightly or wrongly, but they just don't know because clarity was not created at the time that the appointment was made. So I think that every appointment that is made in the practice, the patient needs to have an understanding of what exactly is going to happen, why it's beneficial, and exactly what their financial commitment will be for that appointment so that there are no surprises because when people are unsure, what are they going to do? Oh, I just got this bill. You know, I have this unexpected thing come up. My car just broke down. Well, it suddenly becomes very easy to say, oh, gosh, that crown, they didn't even tell me how much it's going to cost. It's probably going to be a lot. I think I better just cancel. Now, if there was a very clear understanding and they knew exactly what was going to happen, perhaps they had already arranged third-party financing in advance, far more, or even better, if they have already paid a portion of it in advance, far less likely that they're going to cancel that appointment. Mm. Yeah, really, really good point. I'm glad you brought that up. And it's funny, it always comes back to money when it comes to booking dentist appointments. We, we, we definitely aren't that skilled at having the money conversation. And I think this is a big piece when we talk about managing your team, knowing your team. Is your team comfortable talking about money? Because they should be. And and this is something I, I see a lot of different strategies applied in dental offices. So I have dental offices who, who will have a treatment coordinator who is the only person allowed to talk about money. Um, we'll have dental offices who have a cheat sheet in front of them so can almost instantly tell a, den, uh, a patient approximately how much it's going to be. Uh, one of my favorites is a bit like what you just said, have a... Um, a booking expectation script written where they know what to expect. And you can include that. Absolutely. You can include the money piece, how much they can expect mm -hmm. that this is going to cost them. Um, one other thing that, that comes to mind is a lot of practices do, or they did, I know it's a bit trickier now, um, the insurance pre-check. Great chance mm -hmm. to send your reminder about the appointment if you now have the results of that. So you can call them up. You can say, we've got it. Here's, you know, here's how it's going. I'm so excited to see you. You know, um, again, we're talking about giving the patient the knowledge of how much work went into booking their appointment. So they're feeling a little bit more mm -hmm. like, okay, these people care about me. They went through this effort. So there's a lot of mm -hmm. sort of neat, tidy bows in that um, point. And I'm glad that you brought that up. Um, because I can I can hear since uh, some of our listeners going, oh, my front staff are not good at talking about money. And as soon as the topic goes on to money, everyone starts thinking, oh, it's so expensive. And I think uh, one of the biggest myths is how expensive dentistry is because we live in a world where everyone thinks that dental work is expensive but then we're happy to go out and buy, you know, spend $2,000 on a pair of shoes or, you know, buy that car for, for a hundred thousand dollars because, Oh my gosh, I have to get the, you know, that, that model or, and it's like, how, how is it that our own personal health and something that so significantly impacts our lives is, is, has the societal attitude of it costing so much. And I think if we can work together to move away from that and it be less of a, it's going to be expensive and more of a, here's what it's going to be. And, and that's a good thing. You know, you're coming in for mm -hmm. this appointment. Well done you, because it'll be worse if you let it slide. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's probably not. And I just gone back on my own point there where I'm saying it's so expensive, <laughs> but I mean, I'm, yeah. So brainstorming some ideas with your team mm -hmm. on how yeah. to have this conversation and, and prepare mm -hmm. them. Don't just throw them in the deep end and they say, well, my team doesn't talk about, um, my team, my team can't talk about the costs mm -hmm. very well because they just, they just mess up that conversation. How are they supposed mm -hmm. to have that conversation? They're not trained. You know, that's, that's how we want to train them. Mm -hmm. Um, so actually we do have one more poll here. We kind of have, have talked about this as well. Um, we, we're talking about teams and daily performance and how are they doing on a day-to-day -day basis? So I, I have one more poll for us um, to go up with. So launching that now, there we go. So how do you hold your team members accountable for their performance? So 
fantastic to bring this up now. Um, do you struggle to hold your team members accountable and, and avoid those difficult conversations? I know maybe not the people who are here today, but this definitely happens. Um, it's hard to have these conversations sometimes, especially when you don't know yourself um, and you kind of have to figure that out. So the hardest challenge of being a business owner is, I don't know, I have to figure this out, right? So um, I try to hold my team members account accountable, but I'm not comfortable. Or I meet with my team members to provide feedback and to conduct planned accountability conversations if there is an issue. Um, so let's take a look at these results coming in. Oh, good. So at this, yeah, I mean, um, most people are at least on the comfortable uh, spectrum, maybe, maybe slightly not comfortable, but uh, are definitely getting there. So that is fantastic. Thank you for sharing that, everyone. It's great to get an insight into our listeners and, and what um, you are experiencing yourselves. So last question over to Dr. Blair and, um, and Mark. Um, so we've talked about the steps for responding to a call where a patient is trying to cancel their appointment. Um, can you talk a bit more about the business owner's role in this and, and how they can help their teams have these conversations? I'll, I'll leave that to you as a bit of an open topic there. <laughs> Yeah. Absolutely. So first training from the beginning. So we can never, we should never just assume that these types of situations are being handled correctly, because as you've seen, these are difficult conversations. These are not easy conversations that the person you hired last week should be equipped to handle. These are tough conversations for anyone to have on the phone. So if we're not giving support and training to our teams from the moment that they are hired, or even if they've been with us for 10 years, we are not doing our job as a leader. So we have to be, we have to be first off, capable to answer those questions ourselves if we pick up the phone. Um, so training together as a team and doing those role plays, I like to call it practicing. <laughs> um, we practice together as a team is so important and it's never, it's never done. We can never say, all right, check it off the list. We train on this. We learned about it. We're good to go. This is an ongoing forever process because we can always improve. We can always get better. And we're always going to be bringing in new team members. We're always going to be growing. So we have to make sure we're on the yeah. same page and that everyone is trained to handle those tough phone calls that come in. You know, somebody calls and they're, <laughs> I can't come to that, you know, two hour appointment today. What do we say? You know, how do we handle that? Yeah. And so it, we can't just expect our team to wing it because we know for all of us from listening to thousands of phone calls, that does not work. I'll, um, I'll see, Mark, if, if you have anything to add to that before I turn to our questions from the audience, because there's some very relevant questions there. Um, specifically, we've got from Sheena. Hi, Sheena. Um, how do you deal with a patient cancelling because they are sick? <laughs> yeah, uh, I can take this one. So uh, we talked mm -hmm. about this a little bit earlier, but I think expressing first disappointment that they're not going to be coming to the appointment and then concern about what's going on with them. Like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Expressing concern. And then not every caller is the same. So first we're gonna take a moment, we're going to look at the history of this patient. We're gonna bring up their notes, the record of their attendance. Is this a patient who has canceled already several times or been late several times or last minute changes? We're gonna handle that really differently from a very reliable, dependable patient who has never missed an appointment before, always pays on time and is very, very you know, friendly and, and a pleasure to have in the practice. We're gonna handle those calls really differently. So I don't recommend rebooking somebody right away for the next day. That sends the message that, hey, our schedule is wide open, we're just sitting here, doesn't matter if we cancel, we got plenty of time, no. We want to book them, especially if it's someone with a history of doing this, we're going to book them further out in the future to send the message that mm. we're popular, we are in demand, you cannot just cancel on us and then we're going to get you right in the next day because we're desperate. No. Even if it's a little painful to push that appointment further out, we need to do that to send the message that we are just, we're not just going to be a doormat and let you do this at the last minute. Now, often you're going to find that there are certain people who will never value your services, never value your treatment, and they will never value that precious appointment time that you gave to them. And that's okay. Not everyone is a fit for your practice. 
and not everyone needs to stay with your practice forever. So sometimes we have to realize this patient is sending me a really strong message and that message is, I don't care about being a patient in your practice and it's okay to let that person go. Hmm. I'm not, do you have anything to add to that one? No, I agree with that. I think there are a few scripts that are in the resource document that I linked, but I think responding with concern is right. Practicing with your team is important so that you're not just handling them on your feet in the moment or your front desk isn't handling them on your feet in the moment, that you've rehearsed these as a team, you've talked about how to handle them as a team, and you've devoted team time to practicing them together. That's that's the best way forward. Going back to the point we made earlier, it's, it's great to have a, have a baseline understanding or even a thorough understanding of these strategies. It's a different thing entirely to spend time with your team and ensure your team is actually doing them and following up on them. Mm -hmm. And listening mm -hmm. to phone calls. <laughs> listen yes. to calls. Yeah. Oh my you gosh. Know. Listen to the call. Like seriously, listen to calls. You have to listen to your calls. Uh -huh. yes. And if and you don't have a way to do it, you know, we listen to calls our ways. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, if you're, you're saying, well, um, you know, listening to calls, it's not about finger pointing um, because it, as we're saying, it comes back to leadership and, and your staff cannot be blamed for the conversations that they're having if they don't know how to do it any differently. Mm -hmm. That's, that's where we, you know, we want to make sure that they have the skills to be able to have these conversations. And you're talking about ongoing training and checking in and all of that. It's so important to remember that, they're, they don't, if you don't tell them what to say, then they won't know what to say. So I, I think that's mm -hmm. very, very valuable. Um, we have one question from Jesse um, here, which I think is an interesting one. And maybe you touched on it a little bit there, Dr. Blair. What about a patient who books and is a no-show and doesn't pick up their phone? Um, I know that I've personally experienced this. One in 10 patients will answer the phone when we call. Um, that's the stat that we've come back with. Um, so what, mm -hmm. what do we do about these people? You know, I'm trying, I'm doing everything I can. I'm, I've called them multiple times. They just don't pick up their phone. Yeah. <laughs> Go to their house That's and knock fun. on their door. <laughs> uh, no, I do. I mean, at first try texting them. So somebody who doesn't answer the phone when you're calling them, they may actually answer if you text message them or email them. Some people respond better to emails than to text messages. So try multiple ways to reach this person. Or if you have multiple phone numbers, try calling them on their work phone number, whatever it is. If they're not responding and you cannot confirm them, it's okay to take them out of the schedule. So you should have a policy in your office about when it's okay to remove a patient from the schedule. So if we have attempted A, B, and C, and it's within this time frame. We're going to release that appointment so that it can be used for somebody else. And that's going to be clearly stated to our patients from the very beginning. If we're unable to confirm you by this, this, and this, by this, this, and time, we're going to give your appointment away to somebody else because um, this time is really valuable and we're not just going to let it sit empty. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts on that, Mark? Yeah, it's the restaurant that you can't get into. You, you, if you don't show up, you're not going to get in again. They need to feel like mm -hmm. it's valuable. So th there are some strategies for base, basing decisions on the patient behavior, whether it's likely to happen again or whether it's an isolated incident. And so we go through a couple of those in our resources. But ultimately, you have to decide and have a policy for how you handle different situations. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's a really the one final interesting problem. Oh, sorry. Mm -hmm. Continue. No, Dr. Baer, go on. Go on. Oh, yeah. Well, did we talk about punitive measures, cancellation fees yet? We haven't really touched on that yet, right? <laughs> uh, Do no, they I work? don't think we have. And I, and I was <laughs> going to kind of wrap into that where um, mm -hmm. we're saying we've talked a lot about proactive measures and um, having scripts ready and then identifying the patient, getting to know the patient, all that happening up front when you actually talk to them and make that booking in the first place. A bit harder if it's an online booking, um, but definitely doing those proactive measures in the beginning could be the difference between being able to get hold of somebody or not. Um, especially if you've learned some interesting things about this patient, like either the elderly um, potentially haven't received any of your text messages or if they did, couldn't see them. Or if mm -hmm. they're a young professional who's possibly, I don't know, um, I used to work in a hospital, no cell phones in a hospital. Put your cell phone in your bag, mm -hmm. 
you don't, this was back before everyone had cell phones. It was like, no way am I leaving my cell phone. But back then <laughs> it was normal to leave your phone mm-hmm. in your bag an entire day and you would be completely uncontactable because you were in a lead lined building where you couldn't get text messages anyway. Um, so definitely. Uh, so I'm sorry, Dr. Blair. Um, yeah, please to tell us about um, things like cancellation fees and, and how to handle this in, in an office and Mark, please do as well. <laughs> Yeah. So we're, we're running a little low on time, so I'll just be very brief here, but generally they don't work. So most often punitive measures backfire. You're going to end up with an upset patient who didn't show up anyway, and is probably never going to show up again. So often they just don't work and they just make people upset. So I really think these should be an absolute last resort. In fact, pretty much just disregard them. I think it's fine to tell people upfront, we do have such a thing. There is a fee for this but I would almost never enforce it. Hmm. Yeah, here's a good North Star for making decisions at your practice. You, in, in, at its most basic level, you want people to like your business. And so whenever you're faced with a decision, just ask yourself, will this make people like us more or like us less? And if the answer is <laughs> it's going to make people like you less, then probably don't do it. Like it, it's mm-hmm. great that you can yeah. get that $75 from that one appointment. And if you really <laughs> think you're going to, that you're going to spread a reputation where, Oh, Dr. Blair's office will bust you for $75 if you don't show up. So everybody better be there. That's not really the reputation you want. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, I just do things that make patients happy, build exactly. connections with them. I don't think they work very well. Yes. Yes. Use the carrot. Not I the think stick. that's a really, <laughs> Yeah, really powerful message because dentistry is competitive. It is not uh, one in every city like it used to be. No, no, there is one on every block um, and people can just walk down the road and go somewhere else. Um, I think that's very, very important. And, And in saying that, a lot, a lot of dentistry uh, follow the same model of um, I want to call it the medical professional model where it's like, you're just a number to me fill out the form, the doctor will see you in five minutes. Um, And because especially in North America, where too often you're in a vulnerable state, you're sick, you're hurting, or you're just about to lie on a table where someone's going to poke with sharp sticks and make it really, really hurt. um, People don't want to be there and they feel like nobody cares. The practices that stand out for RevUp are the ones that care and whether or not they do or not they make people feel like they care they put that human touch on things they call people by their names they've learned something interesting about that person and they put it in the notes so that everybody knows that interesting thing about that person and these patients walk into the room and someone starts chatting to them about their vacation in aspen that they had that you know last year or whatever how was it i really want to go and you form these human connections and that's how you form your long-term relationships with these patients um i personally and i'm sure you have all experienced a service whether it be a dentist or a spa or a um you know salon for your hair or a coffee shop um my my mother uh always has relationships with her baristas <laughs> you know like and we want to go to these places i want to go to the spa i want to go to the cafe i want you know i want to do these things um how can we make people feel more like they want to go to the dentist because it's a really rare person that does but there are ways that you can make a dentist dental office much more comfortable to know your patients make them um definitely change the story on dentistry in north america dentistry doesn't have to be a bad thing it's a great thing it's like going to your physio you're just getting a checkup you know things are going fantastic um and 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 try and you know be accountable for your staff teach them how to have these conversations teach them how to have tricky conversations role play it can be a lot of fun role play reward them when they succeed when your staff do actually succeed in having fantastic conversations with their patients make sure they know it so many times we forget to reward and we just punish and that that you know your staff also has to be in a good mood to have these fun conversations with people right so um yeah absolutely i'll i'll we'll uh i can see we don't have any other questions so thank you very much for those who did ask questions um, Dr. Blair and Mark, I'll, I'll hand it over to you to give any final remarks you'd like to. And I am keeping an eye on the Q&A there to see if any other last minute questions come through. 
Awesome. Yeah. I'd just like to say thanks, Beth. This was so much fun to talk about one of my favorite topics. And I really appreciate uh, you guys for having us. So thanks again. Yeah, thanks. This has been really fun. We just to everyone out there, we love to talk to dentists. We love to talk to leaders. We love talking about ways to make your team more effective. You can engage with us at our website. I link that. We give all of our videos and resources away for free. So let us know. We have a bunch of them. And we do team trainings in case anybody wants us to work with your team. We also offer individual coaching. Reach out to us. Let us know. There's a pretty cool practice assessment uh, tool on our website where you can answer a few questions and you get a scorecard based on our six areas of essential performance. So check that out. It's free. But we'd love to hear from you. We love chatting with folks. We're a small organization. So reach out to us. We'll respond right away. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much. Likewise, from RevUp, so this webinar is being recorded. Um, it will go up onto our YouTube page where we have other resources that we're working on. Um, so thank you so much, Dr. Blair and Mark from Indie Practices. Check them out. Um, I look forward to working with you in the future. Thank you so much. And thank you, everyone, for attending. Really appreciate it.